Amen. That's right. Amen. I tell you, I can't hardly live with myself. Amen. And I'm telling you, her to live with me that long, put up with me, that's a miracle from Almighty God. Amen. And that ain't no joking about it. Amen. Well, we've been preaching on the feast of the Lord for the last few Sundays, and we're going to finish it up today with the Feast of Tabernacles. We said that this is all in Leviticus chapter 23 and some other passages, but we said the first feast, the Feast of Passover, that speaks of when the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, died for our sins and shed His blood as the Passover Lamb. And we're saved by the shed blood and substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, this is what you need to know, that somebody died in your place. Somebody shed his blood and his name is Jesus. And he's died for you and rose from the dead. Well, the next feast is unleavened bread. And that primarily speaks that Jesus Christ had no sin in him. And that's why his offering could satisfy the just demands of a holy God. And he's unleavened. There wasn't no sin in him. But it also speaks that after you and I get saved, we ought to get the sin out of our life. Amen. And you say, Reggie, what is sin? Well, it's disobedience to God's word. Amen. And it's transgression of God's law. Now, I'm going to take my pistol off, but none of you idiots come in here because I got it within short reach. Amen. And if 55 other people got a, and half our women are loaded, amen. And, and they don't care where they're shooting. <laughs> they're just going to pull the trigger till it all runs out, amen. Don't mess with us. Bunch of perverts, you try to mess with our children, we'll beat you to death with a holy stick. <laughs> I'm just feeling honor, amen. That singing did me good, amen. I tell you, where are you going to go to find a bunch of young people like that singing praises of God? Amen. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. That's what they need to know. It's what this whole world needs. Well, after you had the Passover, got saved, unleavened bread, getting the sin out of your life, and the Feast of First Fruits was speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Passover on the 14th, unleavened bread on the 15th of the month. The first Fruits, the resurrection on the 17th, Jesus rose on a Sunday morning, first day of the week. That's why we have church on Sunday, not Saturday. First day of the week. Speaks of resurrection. You're going to meet on Saturday. You're, going to be, you're, going, you're saying you live under the law. But we're not under the law. We're under grace. Amen. That's why I'm happy. Amen. I'm not depending on how good I'm doing. I'm depending on how holy he is. Amen. He's my righteousness. I'm all my righteousness is filthy rags. Amen. I'll tell you what. The devil tried to beat you. To, how many has the devil been that bad for anybody besides me this week? I would tell you something. I ain't going to let him have it. Amen. I'll tell you what. We're going to make him. We're going to make him bite his own tail. Amen. You ever see him bite his own tail? I don't got a mean streak running up me. Then 50 days later is the Feast of Pentecost. That's when the Holy Ghost came down. Amen. Aren't you glad for the whole blessed Holy Spirit of God? Comes and dwells with it. Convicts us of our sin. I like to be in an old-fashioned church where the Holy Ghost is convicting of sin. Where the Holy Ghost is comforting the saints of God. Where the Holy Ghost of God is teaching us and growing us in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I like being in a church like this where this week four precious souls were led to Christ by people talking to them about their soul. Not 
not in church, but outside where they're working and living. Amen. I like being in a church where we had nine people baptized at an old-fashioned camp meeting. I'm looking forward to the fall harvest already. Amen. And you say you act like you're happy about your salvation. I sure am. You don't know the start of it. Amen. And the worse this world gets, the happier I am. Amen. I'm looking forward to the Lord coming. Well, then there was four months in their year. And that four months speaks of harvest time in the church age where we're to go out and preach the gospel to the world. Then the next feast was the Feast of Trumpets. And that speaks of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I don't tell you, it said trumpets, plural, with an S on it. And the first trumpet they're talking about when Jesus comes for the saints of God. And the dead trumpet of God shall sound. That dead in Christ shall be raised. And we shall be caught up together to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I'll tell you something. I watch that stinking news a little bit, just enough to make me vomit once or twice. I'll tell you, the world turns and spins and turns, sins and spins and turns and vomits, but we've got a Savior coming back, amen. And so he come back for the church, but it also speaks of the trumpet of the tribulation sounding where the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in power and glory. Because the first of this thing is when he comes, we meet him in the air. And we go back with him to glory land. And we're going into the judgment seat of Christ, not to see whether we're saved or not, but to give us eternal rewards and live with what we did for Jesus while we're on this earth. Then as we're up there down here, the tribulation period starts. The time have never been a time like it on the face of this earth. I'll tell you when the Antichrist comes on the scene, Satan in the flesh, and he's going to bring this whole world into submission. And he's going to demand that you have a mark upon your head or your forehead. And he's going to demand, hey, can I tell you something this morning? God gives you the choice of coming to church. God gives you the choice of worshiping him today. But the Antichrist will not give you a choice. He'll force you to take the mark of the beast or he'll cut your head off. Some of you out there playing religion. But I'll tell you, quick as the Antichrist comes on, you'll be faithful to his services every day. Crawl around on your knees, worshiping the devil. By the way, if you're not worshiping Jesus Christ this morning, that's who you're worshiping right now. The devil, amen. Well, that's when the Feast of Atonement is. And that's during the time of that tribulation when the Bible said to Israel, look upon him whom they pierced. And they'll be converted to Jesus Christ and their eyes will be opened up and they'll know that Jesus was the Messiah. And then after that, the seventh feast is the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the Feast of the Tabernacles, they were to come up to Jerusalem and they were to bring, they went camping. I think you ought to go camping, amen. That's why we have camp meetings, so we can go camping. But it won't hurt you to get your old uh, tent with holes in it and get your wife and go out. I'll tell you what, on a hot 95 degree day and get down by the creek, you know, and fight the mosquitoes and the bugs and the ticks and everything and go camping. <laughs> I do my camping in the south, in the, it'd be which way is that? That's the southeast corner of my house is where I camp out, amen? Right out there in my yard. But they did, honestly, they had tabernacles. Fact of it is, the pre-deal to this was when Moses and Elijah with Jesus and the disciples, remember the Mount Transfiguration? They said, Lord, to build tabernacle. They knew this. What they were looking for. Now, from the Old Testament coming forward, God has promised, listen to me, a completion to this thing. It's not always going to be like it is right now. Amen. There's going to come a time when Jesus Christ has triumphed over all his enemies. When he has declared and won the victory over all of his enemies. And he brings all of his enemies under his feet. 
And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now this tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacles, speaks of this. The, the rest that comes in Christ. It's going to be a thousand year period on this earth where Jesus Christ reigns. So we're going to start this morning, guys, if you don't care to start there with, uh, I want, uh, put up Matthew 16. Let's go there first of all, Matthew 16. What's this? You know, used to, you hear people pray the Lord's, what we call the Lord's prayer a lot. Don't hear it so much anymore. What's what, uh, Matthew chapter uh, five, I believe it's six, Matthew chapter six, verse number 10. Anyway, it says, what, our father, which art in heaven, what's the next thing? Hallowed be thy name. Then what? Thy kingdom come. God wants you and I to pray for his kingdom to come. And the tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacles, speaks of the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you something. It's going to get here pretty quick. We're headed right there, and I'm not joking you. Generally speaking in Scripture, the kingdom of God refers to the sphere of God's rule in the universe. God has an eternal kingdom. It's a, the entire universe is under his power and his glory. He is all powerful. He's all knowing and he's all present. Daniel chapter four talks about the fifth kingdom, the kingdom of our God who knocks down and tears down all the other kingdoms of the earth. Yeah. Satan challenged God's rule in Genesis chapter one in Isaiah 14 and in Ezekiel chapter 28. What happened in the heavens? Satan challenged the rule of God. It's always been about who's in charge, who is king. Yeah. Who's going to be the supreme ruler? And Satan challenged God. By the way, that's what's going on in your mind, in your heart, as I speak right now. Who is going to rule in your mind? Who are you going to obey? Who are you going to live for? You're going to battle the devil. You're going to battle Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Yeah. See, God deserves your worship. Amen. Satan wants your worship. Yeah. And when you walk away from God and disobey God in any area of your life, you're just basically saying, God, I'm going to worship the devil. That's what you're doing. See, what worship, devil worship is not over some jungle somewhere. Devil worships all over the United States. Yeah. And so you see Adam then coming out of creation. Adam was given dominion, the Bible said. Satan comes in, deceives Eve, and through her, Adam. And then the dominion is taken away from Adam and Satan, the Bible is called the prince of the power of the air. He is even called the God, little g of this world. He wants dominion. He wants power. He wants worship. And then in Romans chapter 13, there's this, when we talk about the kingdom of God, he said, the powers that be are ordained of God. Romans chapter 13, verse number one. There's, I want to tell you something hard for me to get a hold of. God raises up rulers. Yeah. God raised one up, promotion cometh not from the east, nor south, nor the west, but from God. Whether you understand this or not, Hitler was raised up. Yeah. Right. I know part of the purposes was to cause the Jewish people to be regathered into Israel. Right. Why God has Joe Biden as president, I can't imagine. Amen. Never been a more corrupt, vile person in the White House than him. Amen. I thought Bill Clinton was bad. I thought Obama was bad. Both of them together can't hold Bill. Uh, uh, what is his name? Joe Biden. I'm getting like Joe. Can't remember nothing. But him, <laughs> that was a joke. Was well, you okay? There's some truth to it. 
But I'm going to tell you something. Any man get up in the White House and say that queers and perverts and transgenders and child molesters and all that kind of garbage are, are the greatest people in America, he's a pervert himself. I believe he's a child molester. And you can send this tape to him if you want to. We still have the First Amendment and I can still speak the truth. Amen. Now, let me tell you something. God raises up and God sets us down. God has sovereign over secular things, whether I like it or not. America just actually getting the leadership it deserves. We're a filthy nation. We get a filthy leader. We're a corrupt nation. We get a corrupt leader. That's just the way it's working. But God is also has a spiritual government. Look up Romans chapter four. Put up Romans chapter 14 and verse number 17. I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm talking about the kingdom. We're talking about the feast of tabernacles when Jesus Christ reigns in glory upon this earth for the kingdom of God. Now here's the spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not how much you've got. Here's what it is. Righteousness. You interested in the kingdom of God? First of all, number one is going to be righteousness. God is a holy, righteous God. And he has laid out in his word what's right, what's wrong. And anything contrary to that is unrighteous. So if you want part of the kingdom of God, it is righteousness and it is peace. Not peace necessarily about things that there's a lot of rough stuff, but I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I've got peace in the midst of the storm. I'm not worried about the Antichrist. I ain't a worshiping him. I'm not a bound to him. I ain't even going to be around when the sorry dogs here. Amen. I'm going to be with my Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm saying to you this, that it's peace with God. Amen. I don't tell you why some of it's a stinking bitter. I tell you what you, that you're worse than a rabid dog bitter. I, I never seen so many bitter people in my life as Americans are right now. They're bitter about everything. They're bitter about their mom and daddy. They're bitter about their preacher. They're bitter about the church. They're bitter about money. They're bitter about this. They're bitter about that. I have saw such a rotten, spoiled mess in my life. But I'm going to tell you something right now. We can have peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you something in the midst of all this. He said, Reggie, why have you got joy in the midst of all this? Because I have a king that's coming to establish his kingdom. Amen. I want to tell you something right now. We ain't voting on it. Ain't going to be no elections. Ain't going to be no elections. Amen. There ain't going to be no Republican. There ain't going to be no Democrat. Ain't going to be no Independent. It's going to be Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. I'm talking this morning about the Feast of Tabernacles, the kingdom of our God. Oh my goodness, I don't have time to go into all of it. But I want you to go to Psalms chapter 2. Now I'm honest with you, if we took time, how is it that time goes so fast when we're preaching? I don't know. Put up Psalms chapter 2, verse number 1. This is, now, by the way, if you go back, somebody help me. Ezra is when the Jewish people start, it's a picture of when the Jewish people started back to the land. Nehemiah is a picture when they got back in the land. What's the next book? Esther. Esther is a picture of the rapture of the church when the Gentile queen was taken out and the Jewish queen put in. Amen. After Joe, after that, what do you got? Job, 42 chapters, three and a half years is the tribulation. What do you got after Job? 
Psalms is the kingdom book in the Bible. And in Psalms chapter 2, look what it says. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's Jesus. That's why they don't want Jesus nowhere upon this place. They're against him. Amen. And here's what they say. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. You see, that's why they don't like churches like this. Because we're going to preach on sin. Amen. I saw this week in the news there's a naked, there's a naked old sodomite walking around saying, and with no shirt on and written on, this is not sin. That's their problem. They don't like that Bible. That Bible says it is sin. Amen. And the Bible said that let us break their binds asunder. We're not going to talk about Jesus in the schoolhouse. We're not going to talk about Jesus in the White House. Jesus is not at all in our, the Bible's not to be talked about or discussed or brought up. Break the bands asunder. Cast away their cords. Now watch what God's doing. Look at it. He that sitteth in the heavens is wringing his hands and worried about it all. No. What's he doing? He's laughing. I think he's saying, if if I was up there, I'd be saying, little dumb bunnies. They think they're just, they think they're something. They think they can outdo God. They think they're going to whoop me. Oh, my land. The he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Now watch this. The Lord shall have them in derision. And that's where we're at. Yes, sir. Everybody's confused. Don't know what's going on. Don't know where it's up, down, sideways, or nothing else. Then shall he speak to them in his wrath. I want to tell you something about Jesus in the Bible. He's a God of wrath. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, his wrath is going to come against all sin everywhere. Amen. And if you ain't sheltered under the blood and you're not in the ark, you're in for God's wrath. You playing games with your little churchianity, Christianity, and you put your little this, that, and the other, and put on the dog like you say, you're just a lost as a goose in a hailstorm. I'm going to tell you something right now. God knows it. And the Bible said, the heavens shall laugh. He'll have them derision. He'll speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet... Have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion over in Jerusalem on the holy hill of Zion? There's going to be a temple built and Jesus Christ is going to set in that temple. Amen. Amen. And he said, I'll declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, thou art my son this day have begotten thee. Ask of me. The father said to the son, ask of me. I'm going to give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Watch this, verse number nine. Now hang on to your hats. Thou, Jesus, shall break them with a rod of iron. Now I'll tell you something. Had a dear friend, Brother Weststein, give me this here a while back at the camp meeting. He said, every, every shepherd needs a staff. He said, that's to help you up and down the hills and to beat the wolves with and to get the sheep back on the path with. Now, if I was to come in here today and start beating on somebody like this, you'd think, the Lord have mercy. You could hurt a man with this. You can make a wolf run with this. Now, I want you to get something, Dave, because I'm going to cut this message about in, in third, a third of what it would be. But I want you to get it. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, turn, put up on the wall, Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. At Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, you have been, already been through the tribulation period, chapter 6 through 18 of your Bible. When chapter 19 comes, it's at the end of the tribulation period. And here's what's going to happen. Watch this. 
Now remember back in Psalms, it said that he should, he'll break them with a rod of iron. That's a direct reference to this passage of scripture right here. I saw heaven open. This is at the end of the tribulation. This is your tabernacle, feast of tabernacle deal. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. Jesus is a man of war. David was a prototype of Jesus Christ. In fact, David was going to be resurrected. He'll be ruling in Jerusalem during the millennial reigns. If you know your Bible, you know that's true. And he's a, David was a, in, in prefiguring Jesus Christ as the man of war who slew Goliath, 200 Philistines, I mean, by himself. Yeah. <laughs> and in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes was a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Verse 13. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. Now that goes, goes back to the high priest ministry of Jesus Christ. The vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called something. Word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. His name is, and what's this? The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. He said, Reggie, who is that army? That's us. That is us coming back with Jesus Christ. We are clothed with his, that fine linen is with fine linen. You can look at that in chapter 19, a previous verse. It'll tell you exactly who that is. It's the saints of God coming back on white horses. You say, you really believe we're coming back on white horses? I got my spurs already bought, buddy. Amen. I tell you, I've already got my chaps on. I tell you what, I've got my Roy Rogers hat on. Amen. I'm coming back on a white horse with my Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I, I tell you, you're having too good a time. Oh, no, I ain't having too good a time. We're going to have a wonderful time in heaven. Amen. But he's coming back. He followed him on a white horse and clothed him fine linen, white and clean. Watch verse 15. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Amen. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Do you know what some of you problem is? You do not believe nor understand the holiness of God. You do not understand that the God you claim to worship is above everything you could possibly know about him. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And because you don't understand his holiness, because you're an idolater, you think Jesus is some kind of muddy Play-Doh in your hand. That you can make a little God of your own. And you will like what I do and how I want to do it. And your word doesn't amount to spit. And you're an idolater and you go to hell. You're going to bust hell wide open in your religious idolatry. Because your God... You're the, little, you're the true God. See, you're the one who molds him. You're Play-Doh to be what you want him to be. But I'm going to tell you something. You listen to this preacher. 
I'll tell you what, I'd rather be an old time preacher. I'd rather be an old time preacher of the old time book, amen, with the old time gospel. I'm telling you something right now. He will tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. That terminology of treading the winepress in the Old Testament when they did it, they, tried, they put the grapes into a grape deal and they would go in there and they would stomp the grapes and the juice would run out the spigot spout. It is a picture of the battle of Armageddon when the armies of the world are gathered together against Israel and Christ comes out of glory land and Jesus Christ destroys them and treads the wrath of God upon the rebellious world that wanted to worship this Antichrist. I want to tell you something. You ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. You ain't seen nothing yet. And he's coming back in power and in glory. And he hath on that vesture, look at that, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who we're here to worship this morning. I'm not preaching to you some prosperity Jesus going to make you well and clean your toenails for you. I'm not preaching some Jesus who, he's your well guy, I'm just human. I'm preaching to you a holy Jesus Christ who's coming back in power and glory, who loves you, shed his blood for you, redeems you freely with his mercy and with his grace. But if you reject his mercy and grace, this is all that's left for you. I'm telling you. Boy, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe he's coming. Our Lord told us as it was the days of Lot and we're here. Sodom and Gomorrah. Coming down the street yesterday in New York City. I'm queer and I'm here. And we're here after your children. Can you know of any nastier, filthy, rotten, stinking out of hell, satanic garbage than that? That's just like it was when Lot was in Sodom. They beat on his door. They beat on his door. And they said, we'll do worse to you. Do you listen to this preacher? I'm just going to say it. Let me make sure. I'm, am I smacked with the camera? Right there. I'm telling you queers, you sodomites, you transgenders, don't mess with us. We ain't putting up with you. And we're not scared of you either. Amen. That's sickening all over this country. Everybody's counting down to them. Don't want to offend them. You make me sick. You make God sick. I don't tell you, he ain't putting up with it. And you listen to me, you transgenders, you queers. Jesus Christ is coming back and he created male and female and he affirmed that in the New Testament. And I'm going to tell you, it's wickedness and it's sin and it's vileness out of hell. And I'm going to tell you something, you're going to be under the wrath of Almighty God. And I don't want that for you. But the only hope you have is to repent of your sin. And when I talk about repent, I'm talking about turn. I'm talking about leave it. I'm talking about get away from it. Get out of there. Never to go back again. I'll tell you something ain't preaching our churches, and that's repentance. It makes me sick, all these lolly doll churches and preachers, they want to get you to say, now repeat after me. Now repeat after me, George. Repeat after me and go get baptized, George. Everything's good. I've just slid, grease, slid your grease, grease your slide to hell. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. It's truth. You see, you know, he's ready. What's wrong with you? You know what's wrong with me? I don't care what you think. I don't care how foolish I look to you. I don't care how wild I look to you. Because I know this is true. 
He is coming back in power and glory. And if you don't have Christ as your Savior, you're going to, I mean, you are in for it, buddy. It's not no game. Look what he said. King of kings and Lord of lords. Now go to chapter 20. Let's get this thing going. Chapter 20, verse number one. Watch this. Now what's happened in the meantime is Jesus comes back there 11 through 16 and he conquers the armies of the world. He has a judgment of the nations for how they treated Israel. And then he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem in the temple. Yep. Sitting on his throne. Are you ready? Yep. He is going to then rule this earth with a rod of iron. Amen. A rod of iron. Amen. Not a wood stick. Right. Now let's read for a while. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottom of the a great chain in his hand. And he laid a hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. That's what he's doing to America right now. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season. So here's what's happening. Satan is going to be at the beginning of this Feast of Tabernacle picture of the rest Okay, the Bible speaks in the book of Acts chapter 3 verse 21 and the times of restitution. Payback time. Restoring what Adam lost. And if you know anything about the millennial reign, the lamb's going to lay down by the lion. A child can play on the hole of an asp, cockatrice, spider, whatever, and don't get bit. God is going to return the earth back to its Edenic state. Okay? And what Adam lost, the last Adam is going to regain. And he's going to restore. And for a thousand years on this earth, they'll beat their swords into pruning hooks. There won't be war. And as I told you earlier, there's not going to be elections. And he's going to rule this earth with a rod of iron. How many has heard a message recently in the last 10 years by a radio or television preacher about Jesus ruling with a rod of iron? There's a reason you don't hear that. Because people don't want to hear it. They don't intend to be ruled by a rod of iron. But they're going to be. Now you say, what's this mean? He is going to rule. Now hang on to your hats. He is going to rule this earth under the holy laws that he has set forth in his word. How many knows that if an adulterer and an adulteress were caught together committing adultery, that was a death sentence. That's going to be reinstituted. If you raped a woman, death sentence. Did you know that in the middle of rain, he's going to rule with a rod of iron so powerful, you'll be able to unlock the doors of your house. Did you know that in the millennial reign, God's going to go back to the penal system of of his word. There were not penitentiaries in the Old Testament. There were holding prisons, but only until the trial. There were three types of punishment. You could get stripes on your back, or you could be made to have restitution. You paid it back according to the law. Sometimes that was four for what? Like if you stole $10, you paid 40 back. Different levels on that. And then the death penalty. And everything in that law of God that says you'll die for, you'll die for in the millennial reign. Man to lie with mankind as of womankind, you'll die for it. Amen. 
Hang on to your hats. If a man wears that which appertains to a woman, you'll die for it. The reason being is because you have attacked the creative design and act of Almighty God. You attacked God! And he'll kill you for it. Rod of iron. See, this Jesus is not being preached in our nation. And that's, it used to be preached. You can read the old preacher's messages. And back in that day, you didn't have to lock your door. And here's why. Remember the kingdom of God we talked about? When a man gets saved, the kingdom of God comes in his heart. And he is ruled by the righteous love of God. And he doesn't need a rod of iron. But if you won't be ruled from internally, then you will be ruled in millennial lane externally. You can go back there in the Old Testament and you can read all that stuff. By the way, David committed sin with Bathsheba. When Nathan came, you talk about the mercy of God. When David confessed it, he said, you're not going to die. Now, I'm telling you something right now. This is coming. The Feast of Tabernacles is about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. Now, let me give you a few things. What's it going to be like? Now, at the end of the thousand-year reign, Satan is loosed out of the bottomless pit for a little season. And what's going to happen is there's going to be a rebellion. Here's why. Saved people who come back with Jesus Christ are in their glorified bodies forever. And you're going to be on this earth living with Jesus and reigning with Jesus as the church with Christ in glorified bodies. That's all over with for you. But there's going to be people who come through the tribulation in their mortal bodies and will reproduce on this earth. And in a thousand year period, there's going to be a lot of reproduction. Okay. Those people, those people are going to show that with, even with the devil locked up in hell, they're still wicked. You know what? That's why, that's why Christianity deals with a man's heart, not externals. Yeah. You, can, you can go out here and do all the stuff right and die and go to hell. Yeah. Um, can I tell you something? In the, millenn- in, the, in, in the millennial reign, you're not shacking up with nobody. You're not going around naked. You're not dressing like a woman, and you women are not dressing like a man. And I promise you, Jesus will put women's attire on you. You don't like that? I can't help it. You take that up with him. He's ruling righteous rule, and righteous rule is the Bible rule. What does the Bible say is right? If you don't do that, you're in trouble. Well, Satan's going to be loosed out there at the end of a thousand years and people are going to rebel against God. And immediately God puts down that rebellion with fire from heaven. And after that, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15, about verse 23, and there it says that when when Jesus hath put down all rule and authority underneath him, then he will deliver the kingdom, the thousand year kingdom, up to the Father. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to say, Father, I have redeemed and brought back everything that Adam lost. And I'm bringing it back to, and he's going to deliver. This is literally what the Bible said. He will deliver up the kingdom to the Father. 
And at that point in time is when Revelation 21 and 22 kicks in with a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what's called the eternal kingdom. But the preparation for that kingdom, that eternal kingdom, is the thousand year feast of the tabernacle issue where God is going to put this world into rest. And it's going to be able to rest because Jesus is ruling. Now watch this. There's a practical area for you to get. Amen. If you are in turmoil this morning, let me tell you why. Because Christ is not ruling. When Christ rules in the heart, there is rest. I didn't say you wouldn't have trials. I didn't say you wouldn't have troubles, disappointments. But you rest in him. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. Watch this. And you shall find rest unto your souls. I want to ask you today. Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Are you glad that he's going to rule with a rod of iron? I, in all my life, have never seen so much rebellion ever in the hearts and the actions in the open life of professing Christian people. Now I'm going to give you something and we'll close. In the Bible, you'll see the phrase kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. I don't pretend to have all the differences about that, but the Bible contrasts that, okay? The kingdom of heaven seems to be the realm, watch this, please listen to me right here. The kingdom of heaven seems to be the sphere of professions of Christianity. And here's why I say that. In the kingdom of heaven parables in Matthew 13, there's all this tares and the wheat. Bad fish, good fish. But they all professed. But the kingdom of God is the reality, not the profession. Let me show it to you. In John chapter 3, Jesus, our Lord, said, except, watch this, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I want to ask you which kingdom you in this morning. There's a kingdom that's just the sphere of profession. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, I've been saved. But I want to ask you, where's the fruit at? Where's the fruit? Yeah. I'm just being honest with you, because I'm going to tell you something. I love you too much to play with your eternal dying soul. I am not going to play games with your mind. I am not going to play games with your soul. I am not going to grease the slide to hell. Man over here mentioned this morning that Noah's day, which we're in again, only eight people saved. I'm telling you right now, let's please listen to me. If I, was to die, if I was to fall over with a heart attack, I'd tell you this. Ask yourself an honest question. Does my heart want to obey God, even though I may fight it, even though I may have a struggle with my walk with God, I still want to obey God. Ask yourself. There's so much can be preached here. 
burns me off about the Antichrist, Mark the Beast, worship him. You know, the real trial fact of it is that if, you re, if you're not worshiping, you say, well, I worship Jesus. Is he a Jesus of the Bible or Jesus of your mind? I want to ask you something right now. The same question some of these guys asked throughout the visitation. If you were to die right now, where would you really be? And if you've got in your head that God's some kind of a joker up in heaven who doesn't care, you have forgotten that he gave his son to die for you. And I'm telling you something. If you could spend five seconds in hell, you wouldn't play that game. There are people in this building today, there are people online. You know you need to be saved, but your pride has got you locked like a chain. You're in bondage and you can't break out. I know what it's like too. And let me tell you the only thing that ever busts you loose and that's the power of the Holy Ghost making you to the point of where you don't care what anybody thinks any longer. I'm not playing this game no more. I want to know that I have Christ as my Savior. I'm going to tell you something right now. You must repent. I do not believe in salvation without repentance. You say, Reggie, I don't... The goodness of God will lead you to repentance. And it's not as hard as you're making it to be because you can turn and walk away from it. You do have... You do have that choice. You can walk away from it. Can I tell you something? There's not going to be any stinking pot stores like there is up here at the strip mall in Mountain Grove. That thing ought to be shut down. There won't be any liquor stores in the millennial reign. There won't be any abortion clinics in the millennial reign. That stuff's going to stop. He's going to rule in righteousness. He treadeth the winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. Amen. He's not playing around. I'm so sick of this play around Jesus. Yes. It's killing this country. Yes, My father in heaven this morning, as the pianist comes, would you come? Father, I just tell you, I know, Lord, I didn't preach this message like I thought I was going to preach it. But I tell you, God, I preached what I thought you'd have me preach. I tell you, Lord, my heart is just, Lord, bursting within my chest that folks would not die and go to hell that they would know Christ of the Bible. Lord, that they'd be awakened to this junk Christianity of America where we just go out and disobey God right and left and it doesn't matter to us. We read his word, but it doesn't matter. I'm asking, oh God, today that by the power of your Holy Spirit to come and visit this service right now. God, bring conviction of sin. Deliver people from the bondage of Satan today. Loose them, Lord. Free them in Christ. I ask you, God, to do it for your name's sake and for your glory's sake. God, I pray the fear of the Lord might be upon this place. For, Lord, you said by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. May it be so today. I want the pianist just to play softly today, and I want you boys to put up Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 31 on the board. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. And they're going to put up Ezekiel 33, verse number 31. Ezekiel 33, verse 31. Now I want everybody in this building to look up here. My wife and I, 
most mornings we read the Bible together. And we've been in the book of Ezekiel. And I'm telling you, God's warning this preacher, don't you play with these people, Reggie. Don't you, I know you love them, but don't you play with their souls. The other morning, her and I were reading and we came to this verse and I read it and I, my soul began to weep within me and tremble within me. And Ezekiel was pleading with the people of Israel and God told Ezekiel this. He said, and they come unto thee as a people cometh. And they sit before me for thee as my people. And they hear my words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth, they show much love. But their heart goeth after their covetousness. If I knew right now, I'd never never preach another message, I'm going to tell you some story. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I don't say this, I want to be careful about this. But I've been pastoring for 41 years. And I have watched person after person, family after family come into this church and say they wanted to hear the truth. But then when the truth came that it really affected their life, said, we're not doing it. And then you see, you begin to see a different countenance up on them and it's just a few weeks or a few months till they're gone. And here's why. It's because it's all play game. They come unto thee as my people cometh and they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. If that verse does not describe the day in which I live, I do not know a verse in the Bible that describes it. I've got up here and I've preached my heart out about dressing modestly. I preach my heart out, you know, try to live, obey the word of God, do what we ought to do. Preach my heart out about dresses women, dresses men. Preach my heart out about us men loving our wives as Christ loved the church. And it just seemed like, and I watched it, I watched it. Brother Terry, I watched. And it's like night and day. You can see when people's hearts have been turned to God. And they say, Lord, I want to obey your word. At all costs. And then you can see hardness. And the hardness. And the hardness. And the hardness. Until finally they begin to even demonize this church and demonize the people of the church. I know people who hate the the ground I walk on. They hate the property on this church, but they'll use you in a heartbeat. You know why? Because they they want somebody they can trust. (laughs) Stupidest stuff I ever saw in my life. I don't know where you're at today. But if I never, Brother Lonnie, if I never preached another message, I tell you, I told you the truth. 
And I'm just going to ask you today if you're not sure. If you say, Reggie, I'm saved, but my heart is not turned toward God. I come to church and I listen, but I don't do it. I didn't say, I'm not telling you go out and live perfectly and never mess up. I'm not talking about you and your flesh battle. I'm talking about it. Do you have a new heart in you that says, God, I want to live for you. Lord, I want to obey your word. And if you'll give me grace, Lord, I will. That's what I'm saying. I want to talk to you people up online right now, all over the country, other countries. I don't know where you're at, but I tell you what, your soul is just as precious as anybody in this building. And I'm telling you, if I was you, I'd turn around, I'd get on my knees somewhere and I'd say, God, I'll tell you, if I'm not saved, save me now. I don't want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not in some little repetitious prayer, not in some little baptism deal. But God, I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Let's stand right now. If you want to come, you come. It's between you and the Lord from here on out. I'm telling you that for sure. Would you come?